Welcome to Dr. Lovely's House Shop Fan Show. It's Dr. Lovely here. And we're getting into some Torah situations, but what this is about today is cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance, right? And that that's really what what we need to understand about a lot of things. Cognitive dissonance in the field of psychology. Shit. In the field of psychology, cognitive dissonance is the perception of contradictory contradictory information and the and the mental toll of it. Meaning, there's information that we have received that contradicts either your belief system or. Um, something that's going on in your life, it could be many different things, educational, financial, spiritual, whatever. It con- it conflicts with it, right? Um, relevant items of information include a person's actions, feelings, ideas, beliefs, values, and things in 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 things in the environment. Cognitive dissonance is typically experienced as psychological distress. Mental taxing. Melancholy. When a person's when a person's participate in an action that goes against one or more of those things. So you experience cognitive dissonance because it's something that contradicts or the information that you receive contradicts or goes against what information you already have about a particular um, subject. And because the information that's presented challenges your way of thinking or experiencing something, you become psychologically distressed. Be acceptable before you, First and foremost, giving all honor and glory to the God of our forefathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Yishkak, the God of Israel. To him and him alone are all praises due forever and ever. Showing respect to the leader of Beit DCB, Pinjeria Ben Yisaskar, to all of the men of the council, Men, women, and children within the sound of my voice. I bid you all to talk of my forefathers. Shabbat shalom, shalom the camp. Shabbat shalom, shalom the camp. How y'all doing today? Oh. This afternoon, this Shabbat evening. Shalom, shalom the Shabbat day. Thank you the most high God for all things and everything. Amen. Um, oh my goodness. You can't wait there. You can't help. I forget. Commercials? A whole shit ton of them in this video. Um, I wanted to discuss, um, since we're going into the book of Chronicles, the second book of Chronicles, um, I wanted to talk about this thing called cognitive dissonance for a second. Mm-hmm. 
you know, um, as we are reading the second what book of Chronicles, doing over there? Um, this book is kind of filled with some of the worst aspects of Israelite life. Yes, it is. Um, division between the north and the south, Judah and Israel. Um, Israelites who serve idols. Hmm. Israelites who, for the sake of power, some even killed their own brothers. Yes, they did. And they still doing it. Yeah. Um, we are the children of the Most High God, but we can be a very nasty and dirty people when we want to be. Yes. And part of what I wanted to discuss is just as we're reading about Shalomo. Um, Shalomo and Solomon. You know, Shalomo asked the Most High God for one thing. He asked for the wisdom to rule and guide the people. God said, listen, because you didn't ask for the ask for the, the death of your enemies and you know you didn't ask for wealth, I'm gonna give you that wisdom and I'm gonna bless you with those other things as well. The woman thing Mind you now, the fact that he asked God for wisdom. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, most people um, misinterpret the wisdom he had as to he was the only one with this wisdom in the history of the world. And that's not the case. Actually, the scriptures actually tell you that he was the wisest man of his time. Uh And people came from afar to partake and uh huh, receive the knowledge that he had. So imagine someone's wisdom being so astounding that people from all over. were willing to travel from all over the earth just to just to sit and, and conversate with him and gain understanding of a thing. So it shows you the specialness of the wisdom that God bestowed upon him. But he also perverted his wisdom. And what I mean by that is we know that he was playing around with many many different things and and some type of sorcery. And we also know that um, the many wives that he married were treaty um, apparent, but... In order to make them feel comfortable, he erected idols and false um, idols within the city um, for those women to worship their God was a direct violation of Torah. So in order for them to not be homesick, he gave them their gods of their country. Instead of teaching them about his ways of his people. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's my mistake. It was a, a whole different story. Part of it was Shalomo had these marriages in order to maintain treaties and peace and different things of that nature. But 
this wound up, or wound up being his downfall. Because of the need to satisfy those individuals in his life instead of converting the heathen from their evil ways he accommodated them mm -hmm. he allowed them to or he was the one that erected temples in the name of false gods for his heathen wives and eventually he fell victim to the worship of false gods yeah the reason why I want to talk about this cognitive distance, dissonance is because oftentimes um, what cognitive dissonance is, is a um, fairly new term, came out in the, 50s, um, the, the 1957, um, but what it is existed way before. Um, oftentimes we find ourselves in places of moral conflict, and in this moral conflict, um, or mental conflict. We, we're stuck. We're stuck in a position where we know what's right, but we're leaning towards doing the wrong thing. Understand that in the principle and what he's speaking of too is that we, we follow our own mind and our decisions on our life are greater than God's decisions regarding the direction and where he's taken us within life. And those things contradict one another. And the compromising of it all is, you know what's best for yourself. Which takes you back to a reprobated mind. And the term reprobate actually means turn away means you have turned away from God to your own principle of understanding, um, of being, and knowing what's best for your life. And once you have that precedence that, um, that reprobate precedence is pretty much idolatry in essence. This is what they teach in New Age um, Satanism is self-worship, right? And see... Self-care? Nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> when you realize certain terms, right, and you will have to know that it has an esoteric meaning because a lot of times we get things introduced into our lives, we don't look at the history of it all. We don't. But you're right, self-care will be that term. And um, I, I, it's about me and, and myself. Taking time for myself. Yeah. Blocking everybody else yeah. out. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it goes back to... Um, no, don't get me wrong. There are de-stressings that we need to do in order to reduce melancholy, depression, frustrations, you know, things like that in order to take that away, right? But then there's this extreme end of this thing. Yes. Where um, a lot of people um, purposefully set out to to um, to have godlike status in their lives, and um, and then you have to also think about it from the perspective of you know how we talk about uh, I'm gonna follow my heart. My heart is 
you know, told me to do this and this is what I feel in my this is what I feel in my heart. I live my own life. Ah, Captain of my own soul. If you understand that principle, right, then you get why it's contradictory to God because you know what's best for you. You know what's best for you greater than God knowing what's best for you. So when you cut him out of the picture or when you remove him from, you know, your life in essence, you're disconnected from your source. And and that that leads you to a whole nother place. But I know you might not comprehend what I mean by self-worship or idolatry, but that's pretty much what has been going on throughout history, right? It's self-worship and idolatry of people who had lived on, the mighty men of old, men of renown, people who were known very well, and their legacy lived on, but it brought them into a God-like what? Status. Very similar to what you see with superstars today. You don't see yes. people fall out all over the place and and, and they be wanting to be so close and, and connected into Just the lives. And and these people don't live righteous lives. They don't. So if you are trying to emulate, you know, someone or have someone to inspire to be like, then they're actions you know set precedent as to who they are and what they really believe but the word tells us to to stay away from people who don't have your principles because the um because of influence you already know it's a 50 50 chance when it comes to the influence of people have the influence that certain people have upon your life you can have a person that impacts your life positively, and you can have a person that impacts your life negatively. And it still all goes back to you and what you allow into your life. Yes. But then when you've decided you know better than God, that is something, right? So I think that's something you should reflect on. And you find yourself in situations where, you know, you are too inclined to listen to the wrong thing because of the advocacy, advocacy of the wrong thing and the wrong people that are around you. You know that you're not supposed to go to the Christmas party, but enough people you know are going to the Christmas party. And you're conflicted about it. You know it's not the right thing to do, but you do it anyway. That happened to me this year. Um, and the thing about it is I really didn't want to go. But we were told we had to participate and stuff. But by the time they had a second party, I, I just didn't go. Because I, I just felt so conflicted about it. It's the same thing. Um in which that bothers me a lot too when it comes to the stuff I have to do in the community because I'm not supposed to partake in it. And um, and see, a lot of people look at it and say, well, what's the harm? You know, you won't hurt anyone. But when it goes back to my life with God and understanding there are things that I'm supposed to 
uphold, uphold, right? Stand firm in and keep the standard. Keep that standard. And my relationship built on a solid foundation. Um, because as soon as we get away from that and we keep compromising, then we go back to the same See, principles. That's the thing where you were talking about that whole situation with your aunt and the whole thing about her getting offended for what society thinks is normal. Yeah. And how she completely threw her beliefs and what she lives out the window because, because society is pressuring her to believe a certain way. <sighs> And she doesn't want to be left out, or she doesn't want to seem like she's not with it, or... Or that she's being judgmental. Exactly. And, that and was, that, that, that's what the, the New Testament is all about. Not judging some people, but what they're doing is wrong. And what God well, said for, this, for people... Mind you, the contradictory about is, the New Testament, too, is... We remember God set a, a standard for us and a responsibility for us to for checking our yes. our brothers and sisters to ensure that they go Don't in the right direction. Hold. And one of God's beefs or alts with the children of Israel is because they did not speak out, they or they did not them. see it, and they just watched it took place. So mind you, on on um, Friday when I went to work, I um. I was encountered by um, one of the young men at the job, and you know he came up to me and he said, um, "Yahuwah told me to um, remove my shoes." He's like, "I don't know what kind of demons got to come out my ass." I said, "Oh shit, young guy, damn." That's the thing he said. He removed his shoes and he went outside. Yeah, and so he um, let his feet. But he said, as soon as he came outside, he saw me. So that's why he came over and we began to talk, you know, and he was conflicted about some of the things that he wanted to say. Cause he wanted, I've never heard of that. He before. wanted to he wanted to write a letter, um, to his baby mom, you know, to apologize about some of his actions, and to let her know that he was going to be trying his best to step it up and do the right thing. And I thought that was admirable, you know, in essence. But he's a messianic Jew. And it was a particular statement he said to me, and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, you already know that I'm no, I'm no longer Masonic. And I said, but I don't want to have this dialogue with you. But in my mind, I prayed about it. And I said, shall I do this? He said, go ahead. So I began to talk to him about why I'm no longer a Masonic. And I, the thing that solidified it for him was God said, worship no one and no one alone. And I will not share my worship with anyone else. But the kicker for him was my, 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 my killer statement, which is, um, I can't dwell where flesh is. He said, but he said, but you will come down in the flesh. I said, uh uh-uh, uh, because that's really what started the conversation. And I said, um, no. Because he said, I can't dwell where sin is. Why would he need to come down in a place of sin where he said he can't come to? He separated himself from Adam. 
And he didn't keep sinning over and over again. He made one fucking mistake. But it separated him from him because he said, I can no longer be where, what, sin is. Mm-hmm. So when I said that, he looked up at the sky and he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It, it goes back to um, that principle of, of serving God in fullness. And knowing that no matter what, this is where I need to be. And taking away from your principles. Like, like seriously, people long ago had a principle and they stood on their principles and they could not be wavered by it. No matter who or what came to shake that foundation. But we've become a place of people of compromise. And because I understand partaking in the events is partaking in the worship of other gods. And because my God told me that I only worship him and him alone. Anytime I partake in something that he did not ordain, I am literally going against him. And that's a direct violation and that's really what that's that's really what it's about about taking a stance because either you're going to take a stance for God or you just not but i feel like if i'm not going to do this correctly i might as well just do the fuck i want to do because what's the purpose And that's really the problem, right? Is that the people around you tell you that it's fine. And they allow you to compromise um, your integrity and who you are. And that's the thing that is really what this is about. Because really, what happens is, truthfully, it's already in your heart to do whatever it is that you want it to do. You were just looking for the green light or the right phrase to give you permission to do what you wanted to do. do. And you've seen this in the Torah, I mean, the Tanakh, um, over and over again. Every time you read the prophets, you find that they did it over and over again. They they were inclined for the excuse to do what was already in their hearts. Because you have to really think about that. And the fact that they were okay with it. And when they were held accountable, what did they do? They blamed somebody they blamed else. They blamed someone else yes. for the reason why they did it. Mm-hmm. He made me do it. She made me do it. Oh, he didn't stop me when I was doing it. Oh, them women. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I just thought it was okay. Well, he didn't say nothing. He's my covering. Remember I told y'all we we, we go back that again about the covering and let's cover that one more time. The um 
the uh, marriage contract. You were contracted to uphold a principle. Yes. And that contract, um, the man is, is responsible for overseeing the woman and leading her in righteous judgment. So when she says, my husband didn't say anything, her ish, right? He didn't say anything. Then there is nothing you can tell me, prophet, because the one that's responsible for me and ensuring my spiritual covering was okay with what I did. Then who are you to tell me I'm wrong? Also, each other accountable. But that's the navigation between the Ish and the Isha. Exactly. The IUIC, that's what they call themselves, right? So, you know, I, could, I commend, you know, the fact that they were able to, you know, come out, march, get the brothers from all over. Um, don't, don't be... <laughs> Here's the punch. <laughs> the punch that I'm going to give you is this. Anybody that reads Torah and Tanakh clearly understands that Israelites don't have a Jesus. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we find ourselves rooting for people um, and we want to be one and we want to have unity, but we root without clearly understanding that at the same time, we're supporting Israelites who are offending God. The now, re- mind you now, now, goddamn, bam, 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 bam. Mm. Whew. That was heavy, wasn't it? Mm. Yes. So, he's saying that we justify knowing that the people we surround ourselves with are in direct violation with God and we still support them in the lie. Hmm. That we sow into things or people that we know clearly defy, clearly are in rebellion against the creator of the heavens and the earth. Therefore, we've compromised the integrity of who we are. Remember that Psalms say, I uphold and with integrity. Hmm. That I stand in integrity. That integrity will be my God. Because integrity is all about making correct choices. And making sure you keep the standard that's set and that you won't compromise it. Because once you compromise the integrity, the the structure of whatever lays upon that foundation will crumble. Especially if the, the structure is compromised. Because something can come along and easily decimate it. And we be wondering why all of the things that are going on in our life that are in the state it's in, but we willfully, purposefully go against God. 
And why they offend God? You know, 70% of the Israelites you're going to see nowadays are going to be Messianic Israelites. Right? That's a lot. And some say, oh, no, because we're not out there, whatever the case may be, I, I want to tell you some facts. And, you know, when the, when the entertainment stops and the education starts, teachings hit a little bit different. He said when the... Oh. You said entertainment? Yes. Stops. Entertainment stops. And the education, and the education starts. starts. It'll be a whole nother perspective. But understand the entertainment because churches entertain. They do. And they do not educate. It's a circus. They minimize the education that you are supposed to receive regarding the book. They justify the inconsistencies that you see that does not reflect what's in the book. Mm -hmm. They remove the cultural frame of reference so that you will not completely comprehend what's going on in the text. And the language is no longer attached because if you understood it, then you will begin to see parts of speech and particular word phrases in front of a word which can change the whole meaning of another word. For example, in the book of Jeremiah, I believe it's either Jeremiah or Isaiah, where it's talking about a woman or a virgin giving birth to a child. That word phrase is not a virgin. It's a young woman. So when they purposefully mislead by translating, because see, the reason why they translated wrong was in order to show that Mary had validity in giving birth to a child without having been um, inseminated. But in truth, and when you continue on in the text, you'll realize it had nothing to do with what the Christian says it does. So not only do they skew the word phrase, but then they also skew your perspective into believing that this is talking about something else that it actually isn't. And because we don't read or check, we don't fact check. We don't fact check. We don't fact check. We don't fact check. We don't. And we follow the narrative presented because they know that we rest upon people like us to teach us the truth. When you teach people who their fundamental foundation was Christianity for 300 years, that's what they're going to spiritually reference every time they learn anything in scripture. Because that's what they've been taught. And the assumption is that people can just shake Jesus just like that. Like, you know, no, it's addictive. This is something that was beat in the people. Right. This was something that if you didn't do that, you didn't eat. Right. This was something that the only day you got off was Christmas. Right. Or Sunday. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you actually look to that for salvation. That the only thing that I have in this world.
just say, but what Israelites did was make a way for them to get rid of that cognitive dissonance and say, well, you can be an Israelite and still have Jesus in your mouth. What was an What, red defense? Niggas. It's the same thing as Christianity, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take away the sting of the impact of knowing that I still need to keep all of the incidences. That I had before, so I won't be an outcast completely. Because notice, a whole bunch of folks in this in, in the Torah Tanakh only goddamn shit. Shit. Alright, now goddamn. And I say this because yeah. we read too much. There's too much of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah in this scripture. It's for you to think that you can go aside and have another God. And I'm not saying you said it's God's son or whatever. No, he's another God. Right. You don't call yourself Israelites united in Yah. You call yourself Israelites united in who? Huh. Christ. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to understand this. There's some things that we can get with brothers on, but when it comes to the most high, we have to stand alone. Yep. We have to be the rep, even if we are the minority. Yep. Yeah. You have to be the representatives of some things because even when it comes to those type of things, you have to lead. You don't stand behind nobody else when it comes to the glory of the Most High God, especially when they're coming with false gods. We can be brothers all we want. That's good. That's nice. I'm not taking that away. But God always comes first. That's right. Example. And it's true why he has to come first. Because if you don't, (sighs) chaos, chaos is ruling in your life. You know what I'm saying? It's ruling in your life. And you be be stuck and you be trying to get out of things and whatnot. And then, you know, you get slapped. Nope, mm -mm. can't have that. Can't do that. But obedience is better than sacrifice is what the father told us. To be obedient is greater than you having to sacrifice anything. Meaning, uh, your obedience to what I've stated for you to do is greater than what I'm going to have to do to you if you don't listen. Yeah. If you don't Listen. How long? How long will you disobey him and do what it means to do in your own heart and mind? I don't understand the rhetoric. Jehoshaphat went out to war with um who's Jezebel's husband's name? J J O J Right? They went out to fight together. Let's be brothers, let's go out. Judah Israel, once again, let's go out and fight. Mm-hmm. Not that There's a whole bunch of 
mind you, though, Chinese. this whole situation he's talking about is is a setup. We can set our own people up. What did Ahab tell Jehoshaphat to do? He said, you know, no, no. You go out mm-hmm. in the kingly robe. And you'll tell you, I'm going to go like a regular guy. <laughs> line them up. And y'all are going out together, but you line up your brother to get assassinated. Right? And, and this is what it is. It wasn't that Jehoshaphat was a bad king. He wasn't being a small king. And sometimes he didn't know that, you know, Ahab's time was already up. God already announced that he was going to die. But sometimes when you make these alignments, you know, you got to be sure that it's what God wants. I don't have a problem with praying on things. And I clearly understand that when it comes to us being able to bring out the message of God, our message is going to be different because we only going to glorify the most High God. Right. I ain't going to talk with you and you're going to be going into Hebrews 5 and that's not going to work. Basically what he's saying is because of those differential ideologies, one is teaching from the New Testament and it don't have any relevance to us, period. So, um, searching in those places is always going to contradict what's being spoken of in the Tanakh. So when you really think about it, is is it relevant to have the dialogue or eat break bread because y'all don't have the same belief system? And we already know, I've, I've been talking about this for a long time, according to the culture, right? You don't break bread with idol worshipers because mm. it's a covenant. It's a covenant. Anytime you sit down and eat with someone, you become bonded with them. It's very intimate. Cognitive dissonance. I'm 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 not a relationships guy, but I'm gonna say some stuff now. It may pinch a little bit, but please, I want you to open your mind. You know, brothers and sisters, we live in a time where they're teaching us that our sexuality has nothing to do with our spirituality or our mental state. They're conjoined. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there are people that they go out and party, and you know they have one night stands, or they get into relationships and out of relationships, and they deal with any and everybody they want to deal with, and think that it's okay, and they do it for years, mm-hmm. and then they want to settle, what they call settle down. Um, the reason why your your parents, maybe they do, maybe they don't, maybe the, the reason why your parents teach. You, what it is to have a good character when it comes to things like that is because the assumption that you can do it and move away from it mentally, physically and spiritually, is something that they're giving you in modern America to distract you from the reality that everything when it comes to your sexuality affects your mind, mm. your body, mm. and your spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
sisters, if you don't take care of down there, you can't take care of up here. Brother, but you got to listen, you know, go from the perspective as, as you know, you often hear me talk about. Um, when when you operate from the um, place of an Ish and an Isha, that relationship su- supposed to symbol harmony. Not saying that they're going, they're not going to be some um, setbacks, but for the most part, it is a a relationship of harmony, because the two of them understand the principle of, you know, togetherness, mm-hmm. and um, and they operate together under the same banner, which keeps the relationship running smoothly. But a lot of us grew up in toxic relationship as well as seeing toxic relationships and we have an unhealthy sense of what relationships should be or look like so what we have to view those things which is tv sports and and publications and different things that show these couples around us that they draw to in order to mimic what they are doing but they ass is doing the wrong shit as well and because mentally we view we view um status or wealth as something holy or something to obtain that will change our life and truly you can talk to some of the wealthiest people on the earth and they're still fucking unhappy it doesn't matter how much money you have it don't mean it's gonna buy you fucking happiness that's why I say it's a state of mind and we gotta stop thinking that everything can be solved by money it's still money though the perspective of it happening is to buy shit but it doesn't solve the issues that we face in our community. It doesn't. And I say this because of, you know, whatever we, we just, I don't know, goddamn. If you don't watch what you do down there, you easily mess up up here. In the mind, yeah. And, and understand that they're tied together purposefully because remember those body parts release endorphins the same chemical that people who have used drugs and other things um have too they do the same thing so you know it triggers your mind into believing or um feeling something that that might not be true so, you know, it, it still goes back to being in a relationship, setting standards, talking or communicating with one another, um, being able to support one another and depend upon the people that, that um, is, is part of your life. Because it's deeper than just making statements that you with somebody. You'll know a person by the the um, willingness to pour into your relationship. 
If you if you just sit back and think about all of the toxic relationships you had and all of the um uh behavioral patterns that are in that relationship and then you also look at a positive relationship factor and then you waver out the difference between the two you'll find a lot of answers for yourself but if you're really honest with you and what i mean by honest with you a lot of times we lie to ourselves because we don't want to seem as if we weren't trying or doing the right thing but when it comes to self-examination and reflection you have to be willing to judge yourself and make a correct judgment to see whether or not you were being very functional in your relationship judge yourself to see if you were meeting your mate's needs judge yourself to see if you were providing what you're supposed to in the relationship. Because there's nothing worse than someone who cannot look within their own self and realize that they've done some hurtful things. And see, what makes a person seriously strong-minded in this situation is their ability to admit their wrongdoing. It is a powerful thing to be able to admit a wrong, to confess and seek forgiveness is, is so powerful. But, you know, a lot of us, we offend and hurt intentionally, and we knew we were seeking to hurt and offend, and we never make those corrections. And apologize for those actions. But this is what I'm going to tell you about that. that. We say all the time. They set a standard for other people. But when people set a standard for them. They don't want to take it. Yeah. That's true. And you've heard me talk about that multiple times. About people setting standards for other people. To treat them appropriately. But when the table is turned they don't do the same thing for the other person. And that kind of sucks. Is that scripture again? Proverbs 31? That she will do him good all his life. Mm-mm. She will hold his heart in his hand and not crush it. No, it was a, where he was a, what was it again? Where he, would, he wouldn't uh, treat a woman the way he would want to be treated. Oh, that's oh, that's New Testament. Where it told him to love the woman as he loved himself. Yes. Yeah. That's New Testament stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's, it still ties it's back to that, love, your, love your neighbor as you, you love, love yourself. Um, because you, you, you won't hurt yourself. yourself. Yeah. And you're responsible for the hurt she caused. Because yes. that's biblical where you talk about how... Um, um, it's his responsibility to protect the heart of the woman. But, you know, it, it's, it's it goes just... vice versa. It still goes back to the same principle. We just, we just choose to do the wrong thing a lot. And we don't care about the repercussions of those actions and how we spew out all those negativity. It for but it takes a real man and a real 
woman to admit wrongdoing and um, to to be accountable for your actions and set things right. And I will say it again. It goes back to self-reflection. Because you have to be able to self-reflect. Honestly. Honestly. You have to examine yourself. Because if you don't, then you'll continue on doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results. No justifications. Come on now. tell you how how bad that cut me it cut me so bad because there are many things God told me not to do and I did the opposite of it out of frustration tiredness mental exhaustion and every time I did there was an adverse reaction to it and it was so bad that it only made things worse so when God has given us a direction something to do 
and we don't follow what he told us to do, we are in direct violation and have become the enemy of God. And I know you say, girl, what you mean by that? Because it's just like any other parent when you instruct your child to do something and they don't do what you told them to do, you already know. There has to be a punishing in order to make correction in it. And see, the thing is, is we have to follow exactly what he said. For example, remember the sons of Aaron, right? The sons of Aaron and what took place with them. All right, let's get to it. And Navad and Avayahu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censers and put fire therein and put incense therein and offer strange fire before Yahuwah, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from Yahuwah and devoured them, and they died before Yahuwah. Then Moshe said unto Prince Aaron, This is it that Yahuwah spoke, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh unto me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. What will he say? When you've been instructed to do something in particular, and you make a decision, you're going to sidestep what you've been told to do. You can't cut corners with God. You can't change anything that he's instructed you to do. Because he knows those consequences. And mind you, what the fuck would Aaron have to say to God? Because it's more like, I didn't already told y'all what to do. Don't play with me. Don't play with me. Now, you probably say, uh, why would God do that? That don't even make sense. I mean, it was just fire. You forgot these the same niggas that had just built a goddamn golden calf. Ain't nobody, ain't no telling what kind of fucking fire they ass used. It could have been a fire that they used to play around with the damn uh, big ass bull they was worshiping, goddamn, that they brought into the temple. We don't know. All we know is they were instructed to do a thing and they didn't do what he said. But he said, if you're going to be in my presence, if you're going to come unto me, you're going to come unto me right. It's like being in a relationship. When you get benefits of it. And you're doing all the taking and not giving in return. 
it's inevitable that that relationship will crumble because it's unfair to the other partner. This is true, and when when it's done half-assedly, it's, it's it does it just it, see it takes away from what that relationship really means to you because you can tell by a person's actions towards their significant other and what they ask for from them and seeking something from them and they don't do it from their heart or they don't do it because they care. You begin to look at the relationship in a way that maybe this person is not serious about what I have to offer. Because a relationship is only as serious as you make it. And it all boils down to a person's actions and what they put into it. It's the same thing with your relationship with God. Y'all heard me say multiple times I stay on my sons about cultivating their relationship with God. They're grown. I can't do it for them. It's their responsibility. He healed his peace and Moshe called unto my Mashiel Mashe El and Ele Zephin, the sons of Ezai El, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp. So Moshe had said, and Moshe said unto Prince Aaron and to unto Eleazar and unto um, Ethamar, his sons, uncover not your head, neither rend your clothes, lest you die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. Meaning, see, there are ritualistic things they did when someone died. And Moses says, you better not mourn. Don't do nothing. Because we need to tackle what we were supposed to come here to do. And because of what they did, it could have brought calamity upon the whole nation of people. Because mind you, you have to understand the mind of God by this point dealing with these niggas. Mind you, coming the wandering in the wilderness for forty years and all the bullshit they didn't pulled. See, we don't take into consideration none of that stuff either, because we view the Bible however we want. You forgot these the same niggas melted their earrings into a golden calf partying like it's nineteen ninety nine, goddamn down at the base of the mountain. While Moses up there in seeking God on the behalf of the people, they asked and cut the fuck up. We see the Bible however we want to see it. And as long as it doesn't fit the narrative of your life in the way you want to live it, because that's really what this is about. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what this is about. Just saying. This is the- Here we go again, goddamn.
messed up, and this is messed up, and my kids act up, whatever the case may be. Remember that thing you did that you wasn't supposed to do, that you thought that everything was going to be all right, or maybe you forgot about it, but it's coming out in the reflection of your children. Oh, Lord have mercy now, goddamn. Now, mind you now, goddammit, mind you now, you've heard me say this multiple times. Those consequences of your actions, right, and the things that you do. And how they show up in your life. But I also always state that you won't even realize it's because of the shit you did in direct violation of God. Because you won't take it into consideration that all the calamity and the different things is happening in your life based on what has transpired. Because there is a standard, once again, that God has. And if we don't adhere to the standard, there's going to be what? Consequences. Father, talk to me. It's coming out in the destruction of your marriage. It's coming out in every aspect of your life that you did not take into consideration. And because you didn't waver it, nor took it into consideration, you had no understanding as to what is transpiring in your life. You understand what I'm saying? And is something spiritual always connected to calamity? But we never reflect and think about the things we've done and how that's coming back upon us. Let alone rejecting God's word and the things that he stand on principle in the word itself. Because see, there's two things going on. There's the word of God that instructs us to do something, but then the prophet comes and, and instructs and you still don't do. We reject the prophets just as our ancestors did. And we reject the principles of God just as our ancestors did. And we don't, and we don't, and we justify the wrongdoing. Because, I mean, seriously, when it comes to that Christmas thing, seriously. The first thing you hear somebody say, for real, for real, is what's wrong? There is nothing wrong with Christmas. Well, nigga... That's just like, we was at, um, my, one of my supervisors took us out for coffee. So we sitting down and we talking. And my coworker was, was um, seeking advice. So the scenario is that she said her children, her daughter couldn't date until she was 18. Mm-hmm. But she called herself liking some boy or whatnot and she took her stance. Now, mind you now, the boy is all upset because she he thinks that mama don't like him. Well, no, this ain't got shit to do with her not liking you. I got a fucking standard that I done set for my kid, and that shit stands. I don't give a damn about what you think, feel, or believe about how the fuck I run my house. But But the plot thickens. So his mother thinks that, you know, if they do a, um, what do you call it? A chaperone date. And so she invited her daughter on an outing. Not talk to her mother about this. So the other mother. Yes, the boy's mom. Her daughter. Invited her daughter. Without telling her. Without having a conversation with her. To an outing. And she said, am I wrong for this? Fuck no, you not. Because I don't give a damn how old my child is. If they under 18, goddammit, I got rules. And you're going to abide by the rules of my goddamn house. And that's real shit. I don't give a damn. That's facts. Nobody gets to tell me how to run my house. But my man. 
I told her, I said, my kids weren't allowed to date until they were 18. My family thought I was fucking nuts and that I spoiled my kids. But I set a principle and a precedent for them. And I didn't waver in what I taught them. And I wasn't going to let anyone get in the way of me teaching them biblical principles to adhere to them, to help them to understand their relationship with God and how important that shit is to them. And whenever you walk away from it, you're going to have a lot of shit go on. I told you about my oldest son, the one that I kept telling him that God had something for him to do. And, and, and the more he fought up against it, the more calamity happened into his life to the point where he fell into a deep depression. I told him for over five years, I don't want to see what happened to me happen to you. Get it together so God won't have to whoop your ass. Nigga, it was so beautiful last night to talk to my motherfucking nigga, Ro. Goddamn. Because let me tell you what he said. He said, I ain't going to lie to you, Cherie. I become so much more closer with God after that accident. This nigga was getting ready to pull off. He said, I'm going to pray first. I had such a good time talking to him last night. And let me tell you what the nigga said. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, though. He said, we were talking, I said, I, 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 when he told me he was getting his life together, I said, I told your ass. I told you God was going to whoop your ass then. He said, I know, man. He, I know, my nigga. Said, and, then, and then I said, your ass don't listen to me half the time. He's like, no, I do. I listen to you. He said, matter of fact, my mama's so impressed with you, she wants to meet you. I said, really? He was like, yeah. I said, oh, shit. I always tell you it takes a powerful woman to to change the life of a man to speak life to stay, take a stand in, in, in the principle and, and, and do right by them and I know most people in our community will have an issue with the dialogues I have with, with men. But seriously, my whole life, I spent my whole life around boys. I didn't have a lot of girlfriends. All my friends were fucking males. Mostly. So, I've always had that commonality. And I've always had um, normally great experience in my relationships. It's just the niggas wasn't ready for what I had to offer. <sighs> Nigga. I can tell your ass this week. <clears throat> my friend from Kelly. And then the nigga said, he said, um, <laughs> he said, if, if, 
if I don't get married by by um a particular time, him him gonna try to marry me. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> it's interesting when you um when you build up people when women have torn them down. And I know a lot of people have an issue with it. But if a woman tore a man down, it's, it's going to take a woman to build him back up. And as a therapist, I appreciate being able to sow and build up lives um, this way. And so much so, niggas, niggas asked me to marry him. I thought that was interesting. He He's just so over the fact that him, him really trying to marry my ass. Because he feel like... Nothing. Anyway, let's get on with it, goddamn. <laughs> so I say that because when we make decisions, we gotta think. I think we we are critical. I think the the brother Zev said it this morning. Sometimes we're critical of the nations and not reflecting of ourselves, but. We have to be critical on the steps we take mm-hmm. and not move based on impulse. Ooh. Wee. Well. Wee. Guilty. Okay. <laughs> the nigga said, <laughs> we got to be critical thinkers. And not base our decisions on what? Impulse. Impulse. Meaning quick decisions without any information. Nigga, stop touching me because I'm going to smack you because I know you're trying to be funny. (laughs) Nigga, I be thinking about the shit I do. Okay. I do the shit willingly. I didn't already thought about it. It's It's normally that it's not impulsive. It might feel impulsive. But it's normally shit that's been stirring in my ass that I hadn't said shit about. Huh? Yeah, it's not impulsive. It seems impulsive. It's normally things that has been stirring on the inside of me for such a long time to the point where I do go bam. Because it's really not impulsive. Impulsive is something that you haven't had time to think about. That's what I was talking about him. <laughs> I, I just said what uh-huh. What have I done impulsively cause normally it's some shit I'm mad about that's already then lingered now help me to understand the impulsiveness of it all huh? you said I've done impulsive things so I'm, I'm trying to figure it out you've done some things yeah I'm, 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 I'm looking for you to name these things <laughs> Because if you can't put a name on it, they don't exist. You ain't got nothing right now, but I'm yeah. Wait a minute, nigga. No, go on and tell me. I, I could say maybe. No, no, she did what she did. And she better be glad I didn't do it at the, t- the time with the lady fucked up with the mail. I mean, with the, with the pay shit. And she talked smack to my ass and I was ready to go in there and talk shit to her. You can call that impulsive, but she had a she she talked to me disrespectfully and it made me mad. 
I'm done with you. Shit, you made me use okay. my train of thought. Fuck okay. with you, man. Okay. When you okay. mess up your life, Oh uh, no! I be trying to get rid of get, get you. Tell me, I I agree or disagree. You already know. I ain't gonna lie. That's why I asked you to tell me. Cause seriously, most of the time it's some shit that I've been stewing on. Stewing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is when you give niggas pass, 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 and then I be like, all right, goddamn it, I'm tired of the passes. You about to get it today. And it's normally the same shit. So it's truly not impulsive. It's well thought out. Okay. And planned. Okay. It just might be the wrong reaction. Or the thing that I have done. Okay. Yeah. And then you talk about the classroom incident? What classroom incident? The schooler. The who? The schooler. The schooler? The schooler. You talking about Corey? <laughs> the classroom incident. Are we not going to talk about it? Was it not impulsive? It really was. It was. It really was. It really wasn't. It really wasn't. It really wasn't. It wasn't impulsive. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to do it. Hmm. No, but I did it anyway. I thought it out before I agreed. It's based on not, 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 not thinking, not, not feeling. Not giving a fuck, really. Yeah, feeling. But, but I, on your feelings. But I'm going to say it again. Listen, listen up. That's where impulse. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I thought it out and I made the decision to do it. I wavered back and forth with it a little bit. And then he told you, no, you shouldn't do it. But you did it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now get down. Mm-hmm. He's talking to nigga a preschool. People that blame, you know, my first boyfriend, and people that blame their parents. But you know, the end of the matter is it's, it's you. It's your choice. Your choice. And you know, I'm getting back to what I was saying earlier about the woman at work. Not saying that I ain't doing things like the that. The woman, the woman just like just you said she I mean. was gonna take her child somewhere without even talking to her. I was like, sure. your choice. So when we think about what, if we're going for the how Torah says and while we keep law, Lord, that, 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 while that's we serve the Most High God, mm-hmm. she can. Don't think that There's charges against you for that. Our God is a fake God, and the things that we do are mm-hmm. not going to affect us, affect our future, and affect our kids. It's real. Yeah, you made me forget. Don't what... think that our God is a fake God, that the, and the things that we do are not going to affect us, affect mm-hmm. our future, and affect our kids. It's real. Wow. Don't think that. Your actions. Don't have consequences? Yes, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> nigga said, don't think our God is fake now. <laughs> yeah, y'all. And you won't get no repercussions for your actions. Ooh. You. Oh. You, you better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about it. Let me tell you what's so funny. 
I be in here stewing like I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And like, don't you, don't you even. And I be getting ready in my mind like I'm gonna do something. And then I, I hear, is that not an Don't do it, nigga. No, I'm it's telling nice. you, I be in here thinking out the shit. And the lack of impulse control is one's ability to reason and think it out rationally before acting. You didn't hear what I said. I be in here thinking. And then regretting. Afterwards. After the action has been done, yes. But I'm not saying that I act impulsively without thinking. I think about it. And I reflect on it. And I waver out shit. And make a decision whether or not I feel like doing it or not. Yeah, that's worse than an impulse then. Yes. Impulse control is about people just the soon as they get hit with a feeling, they just do something. It's worse. Yeah, it is. Cause I thought it out. Premeditated, nigga. (laughs) (laughs) Premeditated. Shit. And then you get reprimanded and you be in here like why? I can't believe I did that though. Why? All right, now I don't want to fix this shit. I I'm telling you, I used to laugh. My ex husband would do shit to me, goddamn. And I'd be said or done something, and then I would walk back to my room, and then I'd be like, "No, that was impulse." Damn. Because <laughs> that was in the moment. <laughs> No, and then you called me a bunch of bitches, and I was like, your mama's a bitch. Yes, impulse. <laughs> now that... That's in the moment. Was in the moment. You and your feelings. No, I wasn't in my feelings. I was be- being called a bunch of bitches in front of my daughter. That's disrespectful as hell. Fuck that shit. Yeah. yeah. No, if I'm a bitch in front of my daughter, your mama's a bitch in front of you. And yes, I said it. Yes, I meant it. And yeah, I'm here to represent it. And yes, that was the first and only time I ever did some shit like that. But at the end of the day, goddamn, motherfuckers keep pushing buttons. They gonna get it. So I'm just saying. Then then I felt bad. Then I had to go and apologize. Oh, no, I was trying to hurt his I know you were. I really was. (laughs) (laughs) You say, yeah, you got a mouth on you. But once again, I literally said I was walking away from my marriage, changing things. And I did. I really did. I don't. I don't. I. I. I, I might have had reactions of a, of a few things in the in the relationship. I. I. Um. You know, whatever you want to call the shit. Um. One of those was not hold your tongue, cause. Yeah, it was not hold my tongue, but also not. Um. Be a taggish. It should have been that though. It should have been that. What? <laughs> hold my tongue. Yeah, sometimes you need to. Sometimes you need to. That's not one thing you walked away with. <laughs> I mean, normally the stuff I say, right, is not toxic. It's not mean. It's just me expressing how I feel about something. <laughs> that one was toxic, though. And what? <laughs> just that one I did literally said I was walking away from the marriage to make some change. I actually did that shit now, goddamn. <laughs> Stop judging me, nigga, like, like Christians do and shit. Okay, so listen. <laughs> I'm stating a fact. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I just said I'm agreed. That was that was that was that event was impulsive. 
But I had already. Well, I don't want to premeditate. No, but I had been dealing with a whole bunch of shit anyway. Yes, I know. So all that did was just I once you put the put the put the cap on the I shit. I know how he is. Shit, exactly. I know exactly how yeah. he is. Yeah. I know. I, I, I understood. I was in the house with you too. Yeah. I yeah. know how yeah. he is. Okay. So, um, and not justifying my actions seriously now. Goddamn. I mean, people do shit to make you mad. You don't have a right to do other stuff. To them when they do the don't shit. Don't go down make to their level. You don't have to stoop to their level. I'm normally really good with that. But still. <sighs> Struggles. Be real. Struggles. Be real. Real. Niggas. <sighs> yeah. Let's get to it. Okay. <laughs> Very real. You know how many people. I just, I just went to a funeral yesterday. My cousin's funeral. She. Went, found out she she had cancer, or they was telling her she had cancer in a certain place, and she went back to the doctor, and, and, and the doctor was saying, well, it don't seem like it's in this place, whatever the case may be, and, you know, um, whatever happened, this happened like a month ago, then last week, or two weeks ago, she wound up in life on life support. Mm. Like it's like, like, like that. Like that. And then she's on life support, you know, I'm like, you know, that's not the end. You know, we had people that was on life support, came back, just kept my prayers up. And she just passed last week, like, you know, not too long. I'm like, so as soon as you turn around, there's even, there's, there's no time. It's like things are happening so quick and we're living in a time where people are being affected by death. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's people that have passed away and then there's people that don't know how to psychologically deal with death so they're going around killing people. Oh my God. Which is wild, but these are some of the consequences of what happens when people don't know how to manage their mind. When people don't know how to manage their mind or their emotions, all kinds of shit go down there. And it just still goes back with him talking about when you live a lifestyle of living your own way. Which is why it's so hard for people to let Jesus go. Because it's it's a lifestyle. And you've come accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. And there is interactions with other people through them. And it impacts our feelings and mental um, stability when we are... Um, removed from something and our families don't understand what we're doing because we were raised to view things in a particular way and and um our friends and don't understand nor co-workers because this is something different than what they're used to seeing so you you have to be in this walk seriously you have to be strong in your stance and that is, has everything to do with your relationship with God. Thank the Most High God for a clear mind. I thank Him for the ability to wake up and know that He is God and God alone. I thank God that when I have struggles and problems and things and issues, or just for just to thank somebody that I know who to pray to. Yes, Hallelujah. Because everybody don't. I thank the Most High God. I, I know that He's the source of my all in all. Yes. See, it gets back to that. That relationship with God, knowing that he is the source of everything I need. And that's why we don't 
violate him. Shelter, loved ones, brothers and sisters that are good. I thank the most I got for he's the source of all of the evils that I get in the world. But I think I think that he's the source. Because with him is always mercy. Yeah. I thank the most I got for allowing us to be able to have a place to worship and call upon his name. Yeah. I thank the most I got for even allowing me to live in a time where I may see struggles and troubles and all types of things that go on, but at the end of the day, I know that God has love for me because I'm right. still here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that we take all of those things for granted. Right. And I apologize to the Most High God for waking up and taking him for granted. Some days that I don't pray, some days that I, you know, I'm late, but I'm late for a reason. Yeah. Other day, you know that guy that went on that, that spree, right? So I'm going to tell you where I live, right? I live between Kingsborough's two parts. Right. I live between both of those parts. So the person that he supposedly shot was like right around the corner or whatever. So yeah, Kingsborough. So I don't know what was going on, but I'm trying to work. I'm trying to like, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, I'm working, I'm working. I'm like, yo, what this helicopter? Like, they didn't catch the person yet? Usually I call Mac. I'm like, yo, who got shot, man? The, the, the helicopter still, it was like low. You can hear that it's low. I'm like, and it was like all day. Y'all probably heard it from, from where y'all at. It was like, man, all day. Helicopter all day. <laughs> then I read the news and I'm like, oh wow, they're looking for somebody that's in the projects that's running around just shooting people. And you think about stuff like that because. You know, there's all types of guys that look like him around the way. Mm. Who knows who he's going to decide to be the victim? Right. He said he just went to rob somebody. The girl, he missed the girl, and she, he wound up shooting somebody that was 96 years old in the left. The crazy part about that is, is that this dude robbed a lady. And... He missed her and ended up killing an old person. Somebody that was 96 years old in the left. It's a sad thing, but we have to, we have to stay prayed up. Yeah. We have to stay prayed up. We have to make sure that we can invoke the spirit of the Most High God in such a detrimental and dangerous time like this. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I can say that. We all think the same, but we don't. But we have to get to a point where we do. We have to get to a point where we understand that it's not us that's important. I think we need to get rid of our sense of entitlement. We need to stop thinking that we're so special. And we have to start thinking about what's good for this people and for this nation. Um, let me run through these chapters quick. Um, let's go to the second. And it's true. We have to start thinking about the things that we can do in our... In our um nation and how we can uplift each other and be there for one another we have to learn to um collectively work together so you already know um it's just been a lot of reflecting lately and these torah portions have been doing mm, a number on a nigga goddamn because it's, it it makes me sit back and reflect about um, what's important in my life, which is my relationship with God. 
and making sure I cultivate that. So sometimes we just got to sit down and reflect and think about a few things and and begin to make a change in our lives and our relationships with others and, you know, just shift. Let me run through these chapters quick. Um, Just go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1, and we're going to do um, chapters 1 and chapters 2. We're in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom. And Jehovah his God was with him, and magnified him exceedingly. And Solomon spoke unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every prince in all Israel, the heads of the father's houses. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon. But it was the tent of meeting of Yah, which Moshe, Moshe, the servant of Jehovah, had made in the wilderness. But the ark of Yah had David brought up from Kiriath Yearim to the place that David had prepared for it. For he had pitched the tent for it at Jerusalem. Moreover, the brazen altar that Bethsalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hor, had made had been put before the tabernacle of Jehovah. And Solomon and the congregation soared into it. And Solomon offered there upon the brazen altar before Yahweh, which was at the tent of meeting. He offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. And that night did Yah appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto Yah, Thou hast shown great kindness unto David my father, and hast made me king in his stead. Now, O Yahweh God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people that the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge, that I may go out and come in, before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And Yah said to Solomon, because this was a... Mind you now, he said, who can judge this people that is so great? Imagine in another time where our people love being who they were. Because now a lot of our people hate who they are. And we're taught to hate everything about ourselves. There are some powerful things going on in scripture all the time. That we have to take consideration for. And this is one of them. The celebration of being a chosen or the chosen nation of God. To be an example upon the earth. See, mind you, you don't look at the chosen situation as... as um, the term I heard was um, racial idolatry. Right. And you worship the fact that our people are worshiping the fact that they are the chosen seed. And you can get behind the psychology of this because we were a people who were downcast. And now we have a rich heritage to be proud of. And thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of them that hate thee, neither yet asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches, and wealth, and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee. Neither shall any, neither shall there any... Now mind you the willingness that he had to step into what he was called to do. And only asking God to grant him wisdom. But not only did he receive wisdom, he also received wealth in other things and favor upon all men. It takes you back to the simplicity of following a thing that God has said. And how 
simple it is just to um, follow after the principle of what is, is being set before you. And the benefits of doing so. Did he have the light? So Solomon came from his journey to the high place that was at Gibeon, from before the tent of meeting unto Jerusalem, and he reigned over Israel. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots, and twelve thousand horsemen that he placed in the chariot cities, and with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver and gold to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as the sycamore trees that are in the lowland for abundance. And the horses which Solomon had were bought out of Egypt, also out of Kiev, the king's merchants buying them of the men of Kiev at a price. And they fetched up and brought out of Egypt a chariot for six hundred shepherds of silver, and a horse for a hundred and fifty, and for and so for all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram did they bring them out by their means. Now Solomon proposed to build a house for the name of Jehovah, and a house for his kingdom. And Solomon counted out three score and ten thousand men to be burdens, and four score thousand men that were he was in the wilderness and in the mountains. And three thousand and six hundred to oversee them. And Solomon sent to Hedom the king of Tyre, saying, As thou didst deal with David my father, and didst send him cedars to build him a house to dwell therein, even so deal with me. Behold, I am about to build a house for the name of Jehovah my God, to dedicate it to him, and to burn before him in incense of sweet spices, and for the continual showbread, and for the burnt offerings morning and evening, and on the chateau, and on the new moons, and on the appointed seasons of Jehovah our God. This is an ordinance forever to Israel. Now I want to stop right there. You know, I have I be having dreams about a place. I be fantasizing about a place. Yeah. With dreams. And um I I I, I want to one day make my dreams a reality. And I want to build with the brothers and the sisters that share my dream. And you know, part of the having this dream is number one, you gotta get yourself right. Because if you're not deserving of a glorious and beautiful place, then God is not gonna give you one. Yeah. And another thing is you have to know who's sharing your dream. You have to know who's committed to your cause. You right. gotta know who's willing to go above and beyond and get these things done. Because the assumption that just because people wake up in the morning and put on seasons. Everybody's not a builder. Everybody's not doesn't have a heart towards trying to make things greater in the name of the exactly. most high God. I've seen that for years. I've seen people come and go. And you know what? Organizations have ebbs and flows. You know, we want to make sure that we have ebbs and flows. We don't want to be on a roller coaster ride. Right? Yeah. The roller coasters. I've never been on a cyclone. I'm never going on a cyclone. Because it's every time it looks like it's gonna fall apart, right? Shaking all the time, raggedy, rickety. You still got wood. They like, you know what I mean? Like, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing a second, right? But, you know, you want to make sure that you're on the right type of ride. Right. And we have to start thinking about who we are. What is our character? What are we going to portray to the world? And does it matter? And when you think about what he's saying, right? Because it takes you back to kind of what I said earlier about being the representation unto all the world. He chose them to be an example of what righteousness was supposed to be. But we epically failed, and we still are epically failing. That principle. And you have to think about how impactful our cultural heritage 
is and have had to be. Mind you that it was preserved throughout all of time. And that the whole world had access to who we were and our struggles in relationship with our maker. I don't understand how we could not even um, appreciate what that actually fucking means. Think about that. You are a downcast people because of rebellion. But to realize that everything in the book is attached to you, but the whole world took hold of your culture and your spiritual relationship with your God. And they accepted it in their lives. And we were supposed to be an example, or we are supposed to be an example of that, even now we, now that we know who we are. Now imagine the powerfulness behind that. Because it could have been any book in the world that would have taken place the same way ours did. But all praises to Yahuwah for preserving our legacy, for giving us a name amongst the nations. For seeing us and providing. That right there is some of the most powerful things we have to sit and take note in. Because truthfully, Father God in heaven, he didn't have to choose our people. But he did. And now the whole world knows who we are and have partaken, even though it's half-assly, in the keeping of our customs and beliefs. If you can't see the beauty in that, and the ability to humble you, I don't even know what to say. But praise God. And hallelujah to his name. Yahuwah. But who we are inside. We have to begin to understand that organization is not our enemy. It's actually our benefit. It is key and an essential thing for us to be able to uplift ourselves in the eyes of other people. And I've been saying this for some time. Organizations come together, building something to create something. Togetherness. So when you go and you say, well, you know, what are you trying to get at, Chief? What I've always been getting at, attention. We need structure. We need character. We need to know what we look like. You know, a brothers can wear purple t-shirts and, and boots and, and, and know that that's what they are. That's what it is. That's what they are. Bow ties is what it is and hijabs is what it is. Whatever it is, we just have to decide what we are going to be. And it's important. That's right. Because when Solomon built 
David already had it laid out. I got the people you don't know. Go, go to, 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 yeah. to Hebron. Because mm-hmm. he's the builder. Right. And you ain't, listen, if an Israelite can't build something, he can't build it. But we're doing this for God, so we went and got the best. best. And understand that the importance of that collective work and the fact that most people assume that the Hebrew people weren't working with other nations, but they were. Because remember, Pharaoh said, didn't your God tell us to do this? Why are you in my business? You understand what I'm saying? They knew who our God was. They had respect for him. Some of their ass didn't. But some people did. And some of them respected who we were. But we're no longer those people anymore, huh? Father God in heaven. If the best came, you know, he was Israelite-ish. But the, the best come from a foreign nation, listen, Mexicans, Peruvians, if y'all built quick and y'all know what to do, you're hired. Why? Because it's about the quality of the work. That's right. Not the individuals. It should be about the individuals. And the individuals should... Him, they have the aspect of having quality work. In my mind, I feel like they support each other. Why can't we support our own um, people of color? So I don't agree with that. I think we need to have more of our people come together to build because there's many of us that can. And you have to think about, too, how David set him up. You you hear me talk about legacies and the importance of leaving a legacy for your child. And the things that I try to sow into my children about leaving legacies um, for themselves as well as their children. They have the opportunity to do something I never had to do before, which is financially secure themselves. So... um, His father told him the people to deal with, to build the temple, and who to respect, who to deal with in in his death, because there was a, um, uh, a situation to handle. He instructed him. And wisdom, you understand what I'm saying? We talk about the things we leave for our children behind and legacy and and, and teaching and lifting them up and guiding them in the right way and principles makes the difference in their lives. It is important for us to do that. Right? So cultivating these relationships and standing firm in it to build one another up and not tear down. To love and to show love is great and powerful. The things that are so easy is to destroy. But the most powerful and hardest thing to do is for people to do the correct thing. 
And that should not be a thing. But it is. Doing, we need sisters that know how to minister and people that know how to do certain things. Then this is what we have to do. It has nothing to do because, you know, we fought for years over people's personal opinions about what we need to do to build for God. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not venturing philosophical debate right now. Because people are dying and they need to hear us. Right. And people that didn't have that issue can march a thousand brothers on the street at the Barclays Center because that's an issue that they never had. Us, we got the personal issue and I, I don't like wearing that that way and everything. They all got the same t-shirt on. <laughs> this is t- they all got the same t-shirt on and it's and it, it, in my mind like it is not a complicated thing with them. Because they understand that this that is bigger than them. Yes. It's about our image and unity amongst the side of the people. Talk and they were able to be, it took a while, but they were able to be successful. We understand it, but we don't know how to practice our cognitive dissonance. We have a problem. It's all right, you, you know, maybe you don't have to, I'm not saying you don't wear your Adidas, but maybe this is the day that you don't wear your Adidas. This is the day that we understand that we want to connect together. Yeah. We want to see ourselves as one. Yes. I understand that you are an individual, that you are a person, and you may not like just like other people. I get all of that. I know. If you got the uniform on, you got the uniform on, right? I don't, I don't know how that works, but we saw room for debate and division, and we took advantage of it. And what I'm telling you is that eventually we have to get to where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Because we can't straggle a fence on the issues concerning our nation forever. Right. Eventually, we have to understand that we need a school and these people can't continue to educate our, our kids. Exactly. And money's not going to be, oh, what are you going to cook? Soon, you're going to have to make a choice. Like, who said this morning, we're going to have to decide because, obviously, this place is not for us. And listen. I'm not mad at the world. You know why? Because the world's always been the world. Rome always been Rome. Britain always been Britain. Sodom and Gomorrah always was Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. That's right. These the Persians been the Persians, Babylonians been. That's why we talk about Babylon. We put the Babylon because we know that this is the world. The heathens is going to do what they're going to do. Right. So my, and it come a time for us to be able to to um. Learn how to organize and collectively come together. I mean, every other people do it, but but we don't. Said that. I heard it. Somebody said, what you going to do? Because the heathen's been the heathen. The heathen's going to stay the heathen. The problem is when we begin to act like the heathen. There you go. Liners so easy, it's black and white. Graphic lines, one swipe and done. Vivid Matte is the moment. It's difficult.
talk to my girls like every week. And my my prayer is that, you know, the the indoctrination put on them would be broken, but I always have to have a presence in their life. And what I what I notice is like when I take them, you know, I've been taking them since the COVID situation, but I would take them places and, you know, every time we would eat, you know, they they know how to pray up. So I say to myself, you know what? Even with all of the efforts and other things that they're doing in their life that they've been trying to be there, there with the effort was to be there, them being broken and assimilated back into the society, I said to myself, they have some things in them. Absolutely. That they will never leave or never lose. And I have to make sure that light, whatever, if it's, even if it's a little light, I'm going to make sure that light is still there. So even when it comes to they go and they say boom, 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 they, they remember that prayer, amen. They may not say the prayer no other time except when they were me because they know that's just how I pray, but they pray. So those little things show you that God is working with all of us, but we have to be in that stead where we let that, don't let that light them out. You can't let it them out. Because you don't know, like I don't know what circumstance will bring my kids back in, and they still they're still young where they can be like, hey, I can get you back if the right circumstances are around. Like you know, God may bless that situation, but it's the most high. That's why I keep praying. Like I don't I don't pray just for all Israel. I pray for the people that don't know me too, because they need mercy. You know, I got a bunch of family members that I love. That, you know, they eat swine, they celebrate, they do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're my family. Right. If anybody's going to pray for them, it should be who? You. Because I know children in the dark. So if anybody can ask for mercy from God, it should be me. Because I don't know one day they're going to knock on the door, they like, you know. And, and I'm, I'm sure to help you understand that what he's talking about is... According to scripture, he would say he doesn't hear the prayers of sinners. And this is often why you find, you know, the priests operating in the functions in order to um, be the gateway in between the two. But um, that's why it's important to build your relationship with, with God. Because to me, I feel like that would be putting my relationship with him in jeopardy because understanding that aspect of behind it all. And it's important to cultivate your relationship so you can hear the voice of God guiding you and directing you into what you need and um, from him and him leading you in the right way to go. Because when we, com- when we cultivate that relationship, it changes the trajectory of how we interact with him personally. See, the more you cultivate the relationship, the more the voice comes. For you to be able to hear. And hell no, niggas, goddamn, you know what I mean. Because many times somebody say the voice come, they be thinking your ass schizophrenic or some shit. No. That guiding voice, that still subtle voice that tells you this should be done, this shouldn't be done, go this way, don't go that way. Um, do this, don't do that. <laughs> they do this, and if you don't do this, there'll be consequences. So that whole guiding principle, and then understanding that our principles are skewed because they've been taught to us by the people that took, not only took us, but took our heritage away from us. Because you definitely got to think about that too. 
They know what time it is. At one time it was hard. But now, oh, Shabbat, you know. Daddy ain't going to come there because Shabbat. Yeah, because it goes back to the fact that some people do respect our viewpoints and the things and the principles that we keep, so they won't violate them. Mind you now, goddamn, from time to time, I still get people that do, you know, um, the greetings and all the other things coming with the holidays. So um, all of those things are part of the ritual. And it's like trying to explain it to someone they can't conceive nor comprehend what you're trying to tell them and I I was grateful to hear someone for the first time when I say I don't keep something that was like oh I respect that that's what's up and it's most people normally like why what what how what's bad I mean like why and, and they don't understand the concept um of why you make a decision to set a standard to make that change because your principle is what you set your foundation upon and and that principle in God is what you seek to have. And that's what draws him near. Whatever. And there's no but it took us to be stick to with this. Yes, stick to it. Yes. And it still go back to it again, like you're saying when you find somebody wavering, right? In their ideals. They this one day and then they that another day, then they just all over the place with it. But once someone recognizes you're sitting with this and this is where you are and this is the foundation you've set and this is what it means to you, they will learn to respect your values. And if they can't respect your values, then that's a whole other story for another day. But at the end of the day, um, consistency is everything when it comes to upholding a truth. And your principles as to the way people experience you is what stands. So when you go out in the community and people know you, they know you by your fruit. It's like coming in. This is very funny. So like in the community that I work in, it was an old lady. She really didn't like me when I first started working in the community. She was doing everything she can to come against me. But when she really got a chance to test out my heart and who I was and what I did in the community, every time she see me, she hugged me, kissed me, tell me, you know, I thank you for all the stuff that you do in the in the um, community. People will change their perspective of you. When you show them love and appreciation, they receive it and they will. Um, it will show in their interaction with you when you're consistent in doing something. Just saying. See, because when you're not consistent, then they're not going to respect um, your spiritual walk. But when you really make those changes and you stand in them and, and, and they're just guiding you and, and shaping your life, that consistency is um, shown by the way people interact with you. Like you just, this is what you do, but you're not really serious about it. That's right. Yeah. So, when Shalomo talks about his 
ordering of the men and getting these people and getting things organized, mm -hmm. it's because he has a purpose. And he was given his purpose before he became king. He know one thing he has to do is build this temple. And when he asks for God, he asks for God. He asks for wisdom, man. And I think oftentimes where, you know, there's some of us that are so authority crazy. You know, we, we just want to run something. We want to control. We want to do this and that. You know, with given his purpose before he became king. He know one thing he has to do is build this temple. And when he asks for God, he asks for God. He asks for wisdom, man. And I think oftentimes where, you know, there's some of us that are so authority crazy. You know, we, we just want to run something. We want to control. We want to do this and that. You know, with wisdom, you can lead. Right? If you decide to take the route, because you can be an authority just by aggression. And, you know, enough people scared of you, you're the man. You know, anybody can be Nino Brown, mm -hmm. but everybody can't be Moses. Ooh, yes. Ruling by fear. Intimidating. You know all the characteristics of a nigga man today. Thug mentality. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a difference between being stern and, and taking a stance firmly. Right? Because you can be firm and take a stance firmly. But think about someone taking a stance firmly versus someone taking a stance aggressively. You're going to receive them difference, even though that person is firm on what they're saying. Um, the casualty rate is is low. But when you react aggressively, then you're met with aggression. But taking a firm stance disarms a person. Whew. Yeah. Disarm them. Because then that is about respect. And you're not respecting me. So when you take a, a, stand, a firm stance on something, then that lets them know that, hey, what I've done here is not correct and this person don't like it. And they haven't disrespected me, even though I might have disrespected them. See, that's a hard thing to do. It takes mind power for that. That's where prayer and fasting and supplication come on in. You understand what I'm saying here. But we have a community full of people that rule out of fear and intimidation. The best kings were the ones who were wise. And they contemplated their actions and walked in that principle. It's funny. Um, yeah, that's a story for another day. I'm going to move on with it. You know, <laughs> my, my brothers, keep up. Yes, I am. And then you kill you, yeah. You stab you in the back. Shoot you in the head, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? 
I need to put down. Well, what we need to understand is that you know, I, I just think about Moses. I think about a man who who was able to to do his job until the day he died. Yes. You know, didn't seek power, didn't seek money. Did, you know, y'all he, think most he didn't seek glory, fame, or anything. Matter of fact, he did not even really want to step into the role. Let me tell you. The man that I know, his name is Bishop. When I think about what he has inside of him and who he really is, when I see him or look at him, oh my God, the potential for greatness is in him. And the power that resides within. <sighs> Sometimes we get in our own way. To the point God intervenes. But we really have to um, learn to be obedient to the will of God. There's so many men I see around here with great power inside. And the potential to do great things. When they have the right people around them to uplift them and support them and be there. And guide We can do so many things when we're backed by people that believe in us. And that changes the course of a lot of people's lives just based on that principle. Moses wasn't rich. He was a tight. All that stuff went to his brother and his family. He didn't collect that. He didn't seek power. He sought to do his job. And remember what he was. Before God called him, he was a shepherd. That's right. Meaning, you know the shepherd, he was chilling. I'm telling to the flock, I got my wife, I got my kid, I got my son, I'm good. You know what I mean? I don't got no worries. I left all of that Egypt, Israelite stuff behind. I'm done. You know what right. I mean? Right. So, I, I, and I just want you to think about those things. Because I know... Y'all know me for years. I've chilled out on this talk. But I think at this point in time, you know, I I think I made the mistake of not pushing certain things. Mm. Because you are seeing the most high God is putting it in our face like, here, man, this is what it is. Mm. Kyrie, Kanye, all this stuff that's going on and everybody waking up. And we should have never been behind on the eight ball when it came to us and what we need to do for the public and teaching the words of God for everybody to hear. Yeah. You should have been much more advanced. You should have been much more, you know, maybe it's not all our fault, but at the same time, I can't blame nobody. I I always have to learn how to take accountability for the things that I know. Ooh, 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 ooh. But if it's time. See, see that? 
Oh, Godfather. Oh, man. Oh, man. Did you hear that, Nix? Oh, my God. He said he has to take accountability for what he's done. That's a black man saying that. Even though they tell you that they're incapable of doing these things. They said black men have a, a problem with taking accountability for their actions. And speaking power to truth. Imagine that. When you stand in accountability for your actions and the things that you've done. To others. Not done for others. Or failing others. Or coming against another. Wrongfully taken from others. If you can't stand in truth about who you are, you will forever live a lie. And living a lie will tear you up on the inside. But I know some people live very comfortably in a lie. But praises to Yahuwah. For his Ruachat Kodesh and how it operates on our behalf. Ooh. Expose me, God, so that I might do right. Hide not my hand away. If I've done something wrong to offend someone else, correct me in your truth. Because there is no way that I can live a lie and be comfortable with it. Show me the error of my ways that I might walk upon a path of righteousness in clarity. Guide my feet in your direction that it might not slip or go in the wrong way. But that I'll stay upon that path that has been littered to get me directly to you. Draw me closer daily. That I might find my way in your presence. Guide me. And lead me. And show me what you want me to speak to your children. That my voice might be a place that will lift you up every day. That the praises that I give unto you will be forever upon my mouth. Strengthen me when I'm weak and tired. Be my protection when I'm afraid. And be my comfort when I'm lonely. Show me the way.
Show me a way of a path of righteousness that is steadfast in you. Yes. Thank you, Father. In the name of Yahuwah Savaot. Amen. 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 Family, I love you and I appreciate you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Hit that boop, 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 boop button. And understand, I'm on all platforms. If you're listening from Facebook, whatever platform you have, most likely my my answer's on it. From Amazon to Spotify to Apple and uh, Google Play, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, I want to say Shalom, Salim, Shalom, whichever one you choose. Peace and love. I'm sorry. Um, there's a few things I needed to catch. Son, I'm good. You know what I mean? I don't got no worries. I left all of that Egypt, Israelite stuff behind. I'm done. You know what I mean? So, I, I, and I just want you to think about those things. Because I know y'all know me for years. I've chilled out on this talk. But I think at, at this point in time, you know, I, I think I made the mistake of not pushing certain things. Mm. Because you are seeing the most high God is putting it in our face like, here, man, like, this is what it is. Kyrie, Kanye, all this stuff that's going on and everybody waking up. And we should have never been behind on the eight ball when it came to us and what we need to do for the public and teaching the word of God for everybody to hear. That's right. You should have been much more advanced. You should have been much more, you know, maybe it's not all our fault, but at the same time, I can't blame nobody. I, I always have to learn how to take accountability for the things that I know. But if it's time, this is time. Hopefully the most our God can bless our efforts to push forward to make sure that we can present the image that's needed. And no, don't think that us being Israelites who don't, Reference and acknowledge the New Testament, they're going to have flocks of hundreds of people walking through this door. God will give us the right people to walk through the door. Yeah. Right? Because this is not, you've got to remember, they they come from Christianity already, so they have that, as I said, they have that reference. That's their foundation. Yeah. And they don't want to give up the foundation. They don't yeah. want to give up what they learned and what they remember. Because it's more, it's more um, palatable. Mm. Yeah. Even though they- it's not just palatable, but. It's our traditions. It's the thing that was handed down throughout the generations. And it was a sacred thing for our ancestors. But they didn't know. We do. That changes the whole trajectory, but it's the whole emotion behind all of it. And... When you have a legacy tied to something, it's kind of hard to walk away from it. And that, that I don't know. I, I'm telling you, my life, my whole life, my whole life was 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 about God and seeking Him. And I don't, I know I made mistakes along the way, but seriously, that relationship that I've cultivated it has made room for me. 
it, it was always critical for me to stay in this this place. Um, I, and and I won't I refuse to turn back because I've come through so much just to get here. And when you um, seek a truth, it's something that you have to stand in. You understand, even even in my, I've been going through something all week, there's discomfort in, in what I'm experiencing. And the easiest thing with, to, to, to do is to run away. But I got to confront this thing and put my foot on its neck so that I can overcome it. It's funny when all of this stuff is coming up when I'm teaching people about their stuff. So when you are in a space of healing someone else, oh shit, nigga, you you already know the enemy is pulling out all stops to stop where God has predestined you to go. And we allow our own selves to get in the way of that. We we intervene in in things that that we shouldn't. But I understand the reason why we, you know, do this. And it's out of fear. But remember, David, he showed no fear in adversity. Niggas, y'all commitment issue is all about fear. If you trust in your God, and I'm going to say it again, if you trust in him to know that he will meet your need and he wouldn't allow anything to happen to you wrong following him, because that's, that goes back to him telling you to test him. Put me to the test. Show Let me show you what I'll do for you. Let me show you how I'll intervene on your behalf, but you got to trust me to do it song I've been singing to my oldest son for the longest time. You sit here, you talk about what, 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 and how you don't like it, and how you don't want. And I'm like, you got to trust God to make the note, make the move for you. You got to trust him and know that he will never set you up for failure, even though the Christian church told your ass that, yes, that's what the law um, is a curse is, is all about, is they made you believe that shit. At the end of the day, such a precedent. You feel me? They're a hate group. They are, they are very palatable. When you have JC with you, you're palatable. That's right. You're palatable. Like, oh, you know, I remember one time we was out on the street, we was doing the papers, and we had like uniforms, whatever. And there are people that walk up to us and just ask us if we believe in Jesus. They didn't ask nothing about. You already know. You already know. That I didn't told your ass these niggas love JC. Anyway, I'm done. Nothing. And as soon as we said no, they turned around almost like they had tears in their eyes and they just walked away. Because we's heathens. Oh, we's heathens because we don't believe in Jesus. Oh, my God. We's heathens. The special kind. Goddamn. You don't creep. You don't keep creeping. You're a heathen. Oh, you just gonna die and go to hell.
was it, Nick? Because to them, that's all that matters. And I can't listen. God prophesied this for our people. I ain't sitting there like I was. You be debating Christians. God prophesied that we will be going through this right now. God prophesied that we will be serving gods that our forefathers haven't known. I can't be mad at them for what God pronounced on us. But I could be more mad at myself as not being a prophet. Now, mind you now, again, he go another thing telling me the same thing I said. That God told the prophets everything. And I do mean everything. He ain't leave out shit, nigga. He told them everything them niggas was going to do to you, for you, and destroy you. He even so much as told you that there was going to be a government set up to oppress you. Come on here. Now, see, this is the problem. Moving on, goddamn. Instrument to get them out. Mm. I can I do have to take accountability for that. Not that I haven't tried. But, you know, you get with people and there's people that's talking tough like they're going to be about this mission and they ain't about nothing. Ah, oh, niggas. So that's why we not. Ah, oh, niggas. Niggas. You already know, niggas. They will talk. They will tell you they're with you, support you, and they're there with you, and the muck with you, and ride and die with your ass. And when you look the fuck up, you can't see them nowhere around. God damn. You, there is nothing worse than pouring into an empty cup and expecting that cup to pour back into you. May I pass the test, God, may I pass the test. The way we need to be because there are a lot of lies in this nation that don't mean what they say. That's a fact. I'm telling you, I'm so angry and I want to do some very reactive things, but I am trying my best. To hold myself. Because my... Orders were, stand down, do nothing. Stand down, do nothing. We, 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 we won't even be able to do that. Because the first thing we're going to tell God is, what you mean, stand down, say nothing? I can't do that. What did I tell you? Stand down, do nothing. I got this. Handle it, God. And then he gives you a song. Boop, boop, boop. And I'm like, ah, this may not be. Oh, but the song speaks volumes. But I'm going to go on and let it finish. Trust me, you moving and the same person that act like they're moving with you is the counterproductive brother that's trying to stop you from moving because he cares more about glory than God. Ah, shit now. Talk to me. Talk about we, we not together, man. You can't stop the progress that I'm trying to make in the glorification of God 
So you can glorify yourself. That makes no sense. Whose side are you on? You might as well be with the cops. Sorry, brother. You might as well be with the cops. But you know what I'm talking about. And the feds and everybody else. If you're trying to stop the progress, you're more worried about it because it's, it's who it is or what's being done. Come on. Because I know we all like the crown upon our heads, but let's take the crown off all of our heads and give that crown back to God. Come on now. Verse 4. And the house which I build is great, for great is our God above all God. Now, I want you to get that part. I'm doing something magnificent, not because I'm magnificent. Because it's because God my God is magnificent. Yes. I want this thing to be big because God is big. Nothing to do with me. Yeah. Because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm laced out already. I'm good. So I'm, so I'm almost good. Yes. So I want to make something great for our God. Yes. And you know, they say that this temple, there's not the other people that have temples. But this temple, if people invested it in was the temple, decked wasn't out. that big. And the large scale of what we see today as far as buildings and stuff is concerned, the temple wasn't that big, but it was grand. Mm. The effort that was put into it, the time it took to build it, the gold that was put into it, the artistry that was put into it. Mm -hmm. It was a grand thing to see. And you know, you have your inaugural um, thing, so everybody with their garb out there, the priests, everybody out. This is why we, we want to look right. Yeah. Because it's time to glorify God. It ain't about us, but we look good for God. Yeah, Shalomo didn't come to that, that uh, event, you know, with his his uh his ordinary garb on, because the pieces out there they gonna look good. Then everybody else gonna wanna look good, because you don't wanna be the one shabby person coming to the inaugural day of the opening of God's temple. Shalomo gonna come out there. Everybody gonna come out there. The army gonna be out there. Everybody gonna be out there. This is why we gotta do our best sometimes. It ain't about what other people's thinking and letting everybody else get inside your head. Grown, man. They grown decisions. Yeah. I'm trying to get along with the get along game. They don't need to, you know, tell them. He said, you grown, make grown decisions. Whew. Whew. All right, now. All right. Get along game. I'm telling my age now. You don't got to get along with the get along game, man. Sometimes you just got to push forward and show God that you want to glorify his name in the right manner. Skin feeling dry? I understand that um, this brother's been speaking some truth. You know, when what we, you know, Jewish people, we may say whatever you want to say about them, but do you see their synagogue? Their synagogue be half empty. But do you see what they do when they put money into the synagogue? I, I researched the architecture that they do with the synagogues. Their places be looking magnificent. Even if there's only like five people that go there. Their places be looking magnificent. You can eat off the floor. 
modest artists and get the money they make, but they make sure they get the money. If a person don't even go to, I haven't been to synagogue for 10 years, but they'll give a million dollars. And I'm looking at some of these places that they're selling right now. They still look magnificent. But we have to be in that mindset and we have to pray for the things we want. Yeah. But not only pray, we have to put our efforts in. Tumshi. Verse 5. But who is able to build him a house, seeing that heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Mm. Who am I then that I should build him a house, save only to offer before him? Now therefore send me a man skillful to work in gold and in silver and brass and in iron and in purple and in crimson and blue. And that have skill to grave all men of gravens to be with the skillful men that are with me in Yehuda and in Jerusalem, whom David my father did provide. Send me also cedar trees, cypress trees, and sandalwood out of Lebanon. But I know that thy servants have skill to cut timber in Lebanon. And behold, my servants shall be with thy servants, even to prepare me timber in abundance. But the house which I am about to build shall be great and wonderful. And behold, I will give to thy servants the hues that cut timber, 20,000 measures of beaten wheat and 20,000 measures of barley and 20,000 baths of wine, and 20,000 baths of oil. And so it's another thing that I clearly understand too. Um, you know, I, I, I studied these organizations, I studied a lot of black groups, and um, it's important to understand that as people are making the effort to build a cause, you know, reward is good. Reward incentivizes people to do good things. Yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, people shouldn't get from their heart, but if a person has the skill that they bring to the table, pay them. It's not a crime. <laughs> it's not a crime to get the best out of people that they can offer. You know, I ain't saying you got to give everybody a million dollars and everybody's not asking for a million dollars, but you can give them something to show your level of appreciation. Yeah. This is why you got people that are so committed to churches because sometimes the, sh the church gets back. Yeah. I'm not talking about those um, highfalutin, if you give me a, all your life savings, God is going to bless you places. I'm not talking about that. But if there's, a, there's enough places that know that the church has been the staple of the black community for some time. And they've been making efforts to make sure that people were fed. You know, some of the first black churches in, in this country, they made sure that we had land, houses, different things. So we can take some measures out of their book and make sure that we, we can take care of God's people. Tell she. And then Hiram, the king of Tyre, answered and writing, which he sent to Solomon, because Jehovah loveth his people, he hath made thee king over them. Hiram said, moreover, blessed be Jehovah the God of Israel, that made heaven and earth who have given to David the king a wise son, endured with discretion and, endured with discretion and understanding, that shall build the house for Jehovah and the house for his kingdom. And now, I have sent a skillful man and do it with understanding. Even here on my master's craftsman, the son of a woman of the daughters of Don, and his father was a man of Tyre, skillful to work in gold and in silver, in brass and iron and stone, and in temper and purple and blue and in fine and in crimson. Also to grave any man of grave and to devise any device, to do whatever may be set before him with thy skillful men, and with the skillful men of my Lord David thy father. So, you have two men with the same name. Here or Hiram was the king. But Hiram, the person that he sent that had the skill set to do the work, 
was also named Hiram, Tamshi. Now therefore the wheat and the barley, the oil and the wine, which my Lord has spoken of, let him send unto his servants. And we will cut wood out of Lebanon as much as thou shalt need. And we will bring it into these into the guy, we will bring it to thee in floats by seats to your power, and thou shalt carry it up to Jerusalem. And Solomon numbered all the strangers that were in the land of Israel after the numbering wherewith David his father had numbered them. And they were found a hundred and fifty thousand and three thousand and six hundred. And he set three score and ten thousand of them to bear burdens, and four score thousand to be hewers in the mountains, and three thousand and six hundred overseas to set the people at work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the, the end off was, you know, Solomon counted the strangers because y'all not going to stay here and not do nothing while we make this thing happen. So everybody that was a non-Israelite in Israelite territory was put to work as well. Um, that was the number that was given. And the most the most high God was able to bless this work. As you know, that the temple that was built was grand, but a lot of the, the other chapters are going to go into you know, the processes, measuring everything of that nature and how the temple was built. Um, but it's always good to know because, you know, if you clearly understand what it takes to, to do this 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 work, you know, I've, I've been a part of building a couple of times, you know, and it shows that the effort that the Most High God blesses you with can definitely be successful mm -hmm. if you are doing the right thing for the right reason. Hoping you got something out of what was brought forth. Thanking the Most High God for all things and everything. I bid you all the time, my poor father. Shabbat shalom. Shalom. Alright. It's done now. Shalom.